0: This is Pastor Landon Davis. Thank you for joining us for our daily Bible study. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 16, and I'm reading from the World English Bible. He also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a manager. An accusation was made to him that this man was wasting his possessions. He called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said within himself, What will I do, seeing that my lord is taking away the management position from me? I don't have strength to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I will do, so that when I am removed from management, they may receive me into their houses. Calling each one of his lord's debtors to him, he said to the first, How much do you owe to my lord? He said, A hundred batos of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred cores of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. His Lord commended the dishonest manager because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their own generation wiser than the children of the light. I tell you, Make for yourselves friends by means of unrighteous mammon, so that when you fail, they may receive you into the eternal tents." He who is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. He who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You aren't able to serve God and mammon. So in this parable, the manager was dishonest, and what he did was wrong. He wasn't commended for being dishonest, but instead for being shrewd. And so he was—he had money that he had access to, and he used it to make friends so that his future would be secure, that he would be taken care of. And so Jesus compared that, which was obviously wrong in the scheme of a wicked man, and he he compared his use of finances to what we were willing to do with what God had given us. Would we be good stewards and use our blessings to receive an eternal reward? And he said, you can't serve two masters Uh, You're going to love one and hate the other. And so you have to choose, is my life going to be ruled by a desire to please God or a desire for gain, for riches, for mammon? And so that's the general gist of this parable. Verse 14, the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things and they scoffed at him. He said to them, "You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. From the time the good news of God's kingdom is preached, from that time the good news of God's kingdom is preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tiny stroke of a pen in the law to fall." Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries one who is divorced from a husband commits adultery. The Pharisees were teachers of the law, but they had rejected John and his message of repentance and baptism, and now they were rejecting Christ and the kingdom of God. And we see the law prophesied of the coming of Christ and the prophets were very specific about the coming of John and Christ, and somehow they had missed it, even though they revered it. And so Jesus said, since the coming of John, now the good news of God's kingdom is being preached. And he used this discussion to to turn into a discussion about divorce. And it seems like it's disjointed from what he was saying, but there's actually two possible reasons that I can think of that he did this. One, um, he could be illustrating that how off-base the Pharisees were. He used divorce, a controversial topic, even then to emphasize that the Pharisees weren't correctly fulfilling the law. The majority position on divorce at that time was that a man could send his wife away for any reason as long as he gave her a bill of divorce. He had followed the law if he gave her a, a document so that she would be free from the marriage. And so a man could essentially commit adultery and he wouldn't be considered an adulterer as long as he wrote his wife a bill of divorce first. And of course we know that God intended marriage to be a lasting commitment. And so the teaching of the Pharisees and the way that they were emphasizing the law and yet missing the point of the law... Uh, had allowed marriages to be broken up for illegitimate reasons and so that could be this could be an illustration of how they weren't even keeping the law themselves so they were rejecting the kingdom of God and its message and they weren't even able to keep the demands of the law or Christ could have been alluding to his death um, as a means to be free of the Old Testament law he He talked about how binding the law was, and then he went into this very quick mention of marriage and divorce. And the reason this could possibly be speaking of his death is because in Romans 7, Paul says something very similar. He used marriage as an example of the Old Testament covenant, and uh, he said, If a woman married another man while her husband was still living, she would be an adulteress. If her husband died, a widow was free to marry again. You had people that were still wanting to follow all of the practices and traditions and forms of the Old Testament. And yet, also be a Christian and and then place those demands on others. And so Paul used this analogy. You were in covenant with one, but now there's been a death. And that changes things. He said, if her husband died, a widow was free to marry again. And then Paul... Concluded, I think this is Romans 7 and 4, that you were made dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you would be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead. And so the death of Christ is what allowed there to be a new covenant in life in the Spirit. Verse 19, Now there was a certain rich man, and he was clothed in purple and fine linen, living in luxury every day. A certain beggar named Lazarus, was taken to his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Yes, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The beggar died, and he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his bosom. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in the same way bad things. But here he is now comforted, and you are in anguish. Besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, that those who want to pass from here to you are not able, and that no one may cross over from there to us." He said, I ask you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, so they won't also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if one rises from the dead. Many people are familiar with this uh, teaching whenever you're warned of judgment to come. Um, But this actually connects to both of the previous topics that we've talked about in this chapter. It's a tale about money, and it also references the law and even resurrection. Jesus was teaching the Pharisees that we read earlier, loved money, And so he gave an example of someone that loved money but lacked generosity. Very similar to the very first parable that opened this chapter. In this life, he would be considered blessed and Lazarus would have been looked down on, possibly even condemned as a sinner because of his low state in life, the difficulty that he faced. Surely that's the judgment of God. Maybe that was the way they would have thought of it. But the truth is only revealed after their deaths. We now see that the rich man was begging for even a drop of water, and Lazarus was being comforted. Now, it's worth pointing out that this is not a scene of the final judgment because the rich man's brothers were still alive, and it was based on the time of the Old Covenant. He was told that the words of Moses and the prophets were their witnesses to save them from judgment. But then Jesus concludes with his main point. And his main point was that those that weren't faithful under the Old Covenant wouldn't believe even when one rose from the dead. And so sadly, this was true of many of the Pharisees. They they didn't lack evidence. They just lacked sincerity and faith. And no amount of study of the Scripture was an answer for that. And even when Jesus rose from the dead, they couldn't be convinced. And so let's pray right now that... God would help us to to trust him and to truly be righteous and to have faith to be saved. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would help every one of us to truly have saving faith, that we would be obedient, that we would have clean hearts, that we would try our best to know you, to understand you, and to serve you. I ask that you would bless our efforts and we thank you for your grace. God bless you. I appreciate you listening. Join me again for another another podcast episode as we look through another chapter of the New Testament and continue our journey through. God bless you.